I'm Mark, and I'm the pastor here at E3, and it is my joy to be able to just kind of hang out with you guys today and open up our Bibles and just really ask God to illuminate our hearts and our, and our souls and our minds. Last week, I uh, just had a great week. One of the biggest uh, kind of uh, joys that, that I have is when something that happens here on a Sunday instigates or, or uh, fans the flame of, of conversation. And one thing that, that uh, kind of struck several people's kind of uh, interest and desire to have more conversation about was something that was said in the video and something that we were talking about, and that was, um, there was two parts, two statements. The first statement was, the respiratory system of a fully devoted follower of Christ is divinely designed to inhale joy and exhale holiness as you run toward holistically loving God and loving others. Really no issue with, the, with that. But the next statement, uh, some people, they were taken a little bit aback, and they weren't sure if it was right. That statement was, when people run toward happiness and holiness, they breathe in selfishness and exhale religion. And it's one of those kind of statements that sound right. Like, what do you mean we shouldn't, you know, run toward happiness? Or really, you know, for a Christian, shouldn't we run toward holiness? I mean, doesn't that sound right? And I had many conversations this week just about that idea and turning people back to Scripture and saying, what really is our race? What is the foundation? What are we meant to be focusing on? One of my favorite theologians, uh, Diedrich uh, Bonhoeffer, uh, he said this, Christianity is not about a new or better set of behavior rules or moral accomplishments. Religion is the very enemy of Christianity and Christ because they present the false idea that somehow we can reach God through our own moral efforts. This leads to hubris and spiritual pride, the sworn enemy of Christianity. This is really what gets to the foundation of our faith. This this idea that, that none of us can achieve holiness on our own. That all of us have fallen short and, and uh, are totally reliant on the gift of grace through the person of Jesus Christ. And because it's so foundational, because there was so much conversation about it this week, I want to spend some time in Scripture just illuminating exactly what that means and how God views our race and what we should be focusing our efforts on toward, uh, toward trying to achieve. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, this is where we're going to start in verse 30. Paul writes, Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and He freed us from sin. Therefore, as the Scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast 
only about the Lord. Again, this, this idea that it is He who freed us from sin. It is, it is He who came and made His uh, God known to us and God's love known to us. And that we shouldn't come and try to pursue this holiness because when we pursue holiness and we don't pursue Christ, uh, that it becomes very easy to get confused about what we're meant to be doing. In fact, so many things are vying for the throne of Christ, the centrality of our faith, that, that very often we'll easily push Christ out of the throne in our lives and put it something else in place, even something that sounds so good as holiness. In John 17, Jesus talks about this idea of how we obtain holiness. And Jesus says this, And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them, that's us, so they can be made holy by your truth. Jesus is saying, look, I am the holy sacrifice. I am the absolute pure one, the, the, the sacrifice without blemish to, to pay for our debt. Paul writes in Romans 15, Verse 16, I bring you the good news, the good news of what? That God so loved us that he sent his only son that no one has to die, no one has to perish, but we all can have eternal life. So that I might present you as an acceptable offering to God and made holy by the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, some of you were once like that. And he's kind of talking about all the kind of various, you know, sins or, or self-destructive behavior that we can engage in. He says, look, some of you used to be like that, but you were cleansed by your own ability? No. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of our God. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 10, in verse 10, wrote this, For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Again, the centrality of, of our mission as is, is our race is to keep firmly focused on Jesus Christ. And as we run that race, it is not by our own merit or our own desire that we are made holy, but it is by the holiness of Christ and following Him so closely that we are covered in His dust that we, become, we start to exhale this holiness. We start to exhibit the holiness of God and not of man. I want to leave you, or not really leave you, but the, the, this final kind of thought here uh, in 1 Peter in verse 1, or chapter 1, verse 2. God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and His Spirit has made you holy. I love this verse, you know, that, that God, you know, wasn't just kind of like, you know, randomly calling people up or, or something like this, that he had full knowledge of who you are. He had full knowledge of, of your weaknesses, of your brokenness. He had full knowledge of who you are. And 
even with all of that knowledge, that he still said, you know what? I want to adopt you. I want you to be part of my family. I want you to carry my name. And I want to make you holy like I am holy. And then Peter continues, says, as a result, as a result, as a result of what? As a result of him choosing us and as a result of him making us holy, we now have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, I understand that some of you might be sitting there and saying, Mark, it's semantics. You know, pursuing holiness, pursuing Christ. But it's not. It's not semantics. It's, it, it really is a, is a dangerous place to be. That, that it gets right to the foundation of our faith. And the foundation of our faith is the acknowledgement that we cannot be holy on our own efforts. Not one. Not one of us can become holy by our own efforts. If that was possible, then Jesus didn't need to come. If you or I were able to become holy by our own efforts, that, made, that makes Jesus' death on the cross meaningless. That is the heart of the gospel, is this unmerited favor. And really what we do is when we think, well, you know, we, Jesus or not Jesus or whatever, we cheapen grace. And G- grace was not cheap. Grace was, is, is priceless and cost God everything. God separated himself from the, the Son and the Father and the Holy Spirit to make himself as a revelation to us as walking this earth as man in our plight. And when he took on sin, he was eternally severed from God because what is not holy, which is sin, cannot be part of God. That is not cheap. That cuts to the core of our understanding of who Christ is and how much he loved us. And it's to my dismay that Many people in the 21st century have warped Christianity to the point that it's hard for them to fit Jesus into their faith. It just is beyond me. I have literally had conversations where people say, yeah, I don't like to pray to Jesus or I I don't, you know, I don't like Jesus. Well, you know what? If you don't like Jesus, you're not going to like God and you're not going to like heaven. Because Jesus is God. Jesus is the revelation of God. He is incarnate love. And if we can make ourselves holy by ourselves, He didn't need to come. The reality is that that Christian moralism in in many people's lives, you know, kind of trumps the person of Christ himself, trumps the the pursuit of following Christ. And and they think it becomes about, like Bonhoeffer said, is, is, you know, just another system of rules, of behavior rules, a new way to live. 
But it's not about a new way to live. It's about a, a transformational encounter with a living God who loved you so much that He came and met us because we did not have the ability to come to Him. And our high calling as fully devoted followers of Him is to follow Him so close, to keep Him central in our life and everything that we do, to love Him with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength, and being the blessing to the cursed world that we live in. Having said all that, you may say, well, what about righteousness, Mark? Surely that's a good thing. Well, yeah, if, if righteousness and the right understanding of what it is. And I think that we get our lang- we have language drift. And, you know, we start thinking holiness is the same as Jesus and, Jesus and, and, and righteousness is the same of, as holiness. And again, you might be sitting there and going, Mark, you're making a big to-do about nothing. But I can tell you that, that holiness can be an idol just as much as anything else. And if you can easily replace holiness with Jesus, then that is really speaking something about your understanding of Jesus as God, as Savior, as leader, and Lord of your life, because Jesus is not replaceable by anything. But what about righteousness? Paul writes about righteousness in, in several occasions. In fact, he, he wrote to the church, young church planner we talked about last week, Timothy, about righteousness. He writes this, But you, Timothy, are a man of God. So run from all these evil things. Pursue righteousness and a godly life, along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. And if I may just kind of just distill it down to, it's, it's just, just base components. If you don't get anything else about, you know, holiness and Jesus and righteousness, this is at least my understanding of how all these things work together. Holiness, not being set aside for God's purpose, but holiness in the sense of being absolutely pure, like God is holy without blemish. Holiness is a gift, a supernatural expression that we cannot obtain outside of Jesus. That's the whole point. That was the point of why He came. That is the point that we come here to worship Christ is because of the unmerited favor, because of our inability to get to God, so God came to us. And that Holiness is, is, is indwelled in us and gifted us, and that is a supernatural expression. It is not a natural expression. It is not our natural state. Jesus is our, is our destination. Nothing should ever be central in our life except Jesus. Jesus is always our destination. Jesus is our race, and righteousness is our path. Righteousness are the, are the spiritual disciplines that, that we put, put in our lives. Basically, the easiest way to think about it for me is this. It is the way to build a right relationship with God. 
If you think about relationship, there's certain things you do to build a relationship. What are they? You talk with the person, right? If you don't talk with someone, uh, you don't have a relationship with them. You may be in the same proximity, but you don't have a relationship with them. That, you know, and, and for us, you know, that kind of righteousness, that could be, that could be prayer. You know, doing things together. You know, when you do something with your husband or your wife or your best friend or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or, or whatever, your BFF, that, that, yeah, you know what? You strengthen that relationship. And the same is true in our relationship with Christ. Is, is going and being the tangible hand of Christ, existing in the body of Christ, His church. And this righteousness, pursuing the things and the disciplines uh, to build a closer relationship with Christ. And this is important because we are edified. Edified is, a, is kind of a, a spiritual word, and it's kind of an old-fashioned word for just basically strengthened. In fact, if you look at the old, you know, older translations, uh, newer translations like to use like build up and strengthen and things like that because it's easier to understand for us. But the older translations, they used to say edify. And with edify, it kind of uh, carries with it this kind of this, this weight of, of divinity or this weight of, of you know, righteousness and holiness and, and instruction. And this, this is important for us as, as we move forward that we are edified in the body of Christ. We are strengthened in the body of Christ to be able to live as ambassadors of Jesus in this world. Paul in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 3 said it this way, We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. Can I read that again? Because I mean, that's about as concise as it gets, right? We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. When we allow our human effort, when we try to manufacture some sort of of self-realized holiness, you know where it's based in? It's not based in Christ. Self-realized holiness is really always based in circumstantial moral relativism. I mean, that's just flat out what it is. Self-realized holiness is based on circumstantial, relational, or excuse me, uh, moral relativism. That is a fancy way of saying I'm better than the other person. Because, and I can tell you in the race to the bottom morally, you can always find somebody who's worse than you. That person sleeps around more than I do. And never ask the question, should I be sleeping around in the first place? Is that something that, that someone who is Christ, who's Lord of my life, you know, is that something that he's envisioned for me? Well, I steal less than the other person. I kill less than the other person. I mean, it's the race to the bottom, and we have a high calling. We don't participate in moral relativism. We participate in being fully devoted followers of Christ. 
and are totally reliant on Him. And you know what? We trust God with our souls. We trust God with our eternity. We trust God with all sorts of things. Don't you think we can trust Him with our holiness? The problem with circumstantial moral relativism is it just, you know what? It fosters pride. Because as soon as you can point to somebody else and say, I'm better than them, that is a prideful statement. And you know what I think probably is the worst thing that could possibly happen with self-realized holiness? Is you actually obtain it. You actually obtain self-realized holiness. Because at that point, which is impossible anyway, but if you ever in your mind think that you've achieved self-righteous holiness, that you have just rendered Christ meaningless in your life. Paul in Romans chapter 3 and verse 27 said, Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. We are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. It's not based on comparison. It's not based on self-realized holiness. It is not based on your ability to uphold all 613 laws of Moses. It is based on our acquittal. Our freedom in Christ is based in Christ's love. Game, set, match. Jesus. And we cannot allow the idol of holiness to kick Jesus off of the throne. Jesus told us that His uh, his yoke is light. Why, why would Jesus make that statement? He made that statement because it's a relational yoke. That it's not a cookie cutter, you know, forcing you to, to be in some sort of, of, you know, kind of, uh, you know, kind of mold as a Christian. That his, his uh, yoke is light because when God looks at you, that, that He knows who you are and He chooses you and invites you to be part of His family and to allow you to be the person that He created you fully to be. I think like in the 21st century, it's one of the most, especially in America, it's one of the most exciting times to be a follower of Christ. When I was growing up, I rejected Christianity because I thought only goody two-shoes who can't, you know, cope in the real world, uh, you know, become Christians. I thought that. That everybody, you know, kind of painted on their face and they, they were all neat and clean and they just kind of were Christians because it was easier. It was easier to be a Christian to kind of just fit into the mold. Man, not today. Only rebels are Christians, real Christians. 
Only rebels are fully devoted followers of Christ because there is not one voice out there saying, you know what, it's going to be easy to be a follower of Christ. Who says that? Who has any credibility? No. We're in a new era of maybe not physical persecution, but Christians are, are not smiled upon. Like, we're not invited to the parties. We're not, we're not you know, uh, heralded at, at, at work because of our honesty. No. You know what? A fully devoted follower of Christ in the 21st century is about as rebellious to the culture as you can get. Because our culture tells us, you know what? Focus on being happy. Focus on keeping your nose down and not, you know, causing a noise. You know, keep focus on, on you know, just being quiet and, 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 and just kind of going in this, this kind of path with everybody else. And it is the followers of Christ today are standing up and saying, no. God has envisioned so much more for us that he has called us to a higher calling than a race to the bottom. Paul, in one of his lowest points in, in his ministry, a point where he was pleading to God, basically saying, God, you know what? Remove this adversity. Remove this pain. Basically saying, being a follower of you is just not very fun. And I just want you to, to, to you know, just come in and fix everything. And it's interesting what he wrote. He said, each time I cried out to the Lord and said, take this thorn in the flesh away from me. Take this adversity. Just make everything Christian and nice. Jesus said this to him, my grace is all you need. Not cheap grace, but my priceless grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. And here's the paradigm, right? Here's the crust. Here's the, here's the beauty of our faith. That, that it is the gap in our holiness, where Christ is the strongest. It is in our weakness, not our strength, but in our weakness where God is glorified, where His power works best. So Paul says this, So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure, or in other words, boast, in my weaknesses, and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and trouble that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For when I am weak, then I am edified. That holiness gap is the flashpoint of God's power of His redemption, of His priceless grace to us. And understanding that we are totally reliant on the priceless grace of Christ is the foundation of our faith. But we, 
a lot of times think, you know, oh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a knowledge-based thing or, or a monetary thing or a serving thing and, and all of these, you know, different things. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians in chapter 8, he says, but while knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that edifies or strengthens the church. Even though we may know lots of different things, that, that knowledge is worthless without action, without practice. In 1 Corinthians 13, Paul writes it this way, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, that's a lot of languages, right? But didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Basically, if we had all the knowledge in the world, if we, if our name was Google, but we didn't do anything else with it, we would be the most annoying person on earth. Right? I mean, just, just somebody who, who holds a lot of knowledge but no wisdom, wisdom is applied knowledge, that they're really just annoying. Last week I introduced a, a, a chart or a pyramid about how we as followers of Christ, how we experience overflowing joy. And basically what Paul's saying here is like in the mind and the learning section, you could be off the chart. You could be generous, if you want to call it that, with your knowledge of how much you know. But if you don't love others, it's just going to be annoying. Now, God doesn't just want your mind. He doesn't want just your heart. He doesn't want just your soul. He doesn't want us to be only socially aware, but He wants our whole being. He wants our whole life. He wants us to bring glory to Him with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and strength, and be the church, be the body of Christ, be the tangible hand of Christ to this cursed, lost, and hurting world. By being the tangible hand of Christ, by being the manifestation of Christ in this world, that we come alongside not only each other, but we are a blessing to the nations. But the reality is that we come here to a place like this to be equipped, to be encouraged to take one step closer, take one more step with Christ, and we come here to be strengthened in our faith. We come here to be strengthened and edified in our faith. And it is our responsibility as the, of the church to come alongside one another and look for those places and look for those words of life that we can give one another and to use our knowledge to be able to impart it to other people so they can live a more successful Christ-centered life. Paul wrote it uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, says, look, those of us with influence, those of us with experience, those of us with insight, that it is our responsibility to equip God's people to do His work and build up or edify 
the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we have all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Are we all up to the full measure and standard of Christ? Then our job, our responsibility is not done. That we need to continue to build unity, to strengthen, to edify, to equip and encourage one another. And basically, Paul or Peter in 1 Peter chapter 4 talks about just using what God has entrusted to us. So often I hear people paint God as, as, as a tyrant, as, uh, as, as requiring what he has not entrusted to you. But God is not a tyrant. God doesn't call you to give what he has not entrusted to you? No. He asks you to be responsible with what he has given you. Peter says it this way, do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Christ Jesus. And this is not a self-realized holiness based on, on some circumstantial moral relativism. This is not, I'm better than the next guy. But this is something rooted much deeper. This is rooted in who God at His essence is. And that is love. And it is through this love that we are given this priceless gift of salvation, of redemption, of restoration, and that we are edified, we are strengthened to be the princesses and princes of the King Most High, of being people who are worthy of being called His ambassador. It is through faith alone that we are saved, but thankfully, we are not in faith alone. That we have been called and it's faith alone, but we do not have to do this faith journey by ourselves, that we are in a faith community. And that it is incumbent upon us to be looking and serving and loving and edifying and equipping and encouraging one another. I want to leave you with this. It's one of my favorite scriptures when, when uh, I feel like I cannot go any farther. It's one of my favorite scriptures that really encourage me in my faith. It's found in Isaiah chapter 40, starting in verse 29. Isaiah writes, He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths, or youths, will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on the wind, on the wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. 
trying to be holy is exhausting. And not only is it exhausting, it's not possible without Christ's gift. Your calling is to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. And by doing that, God has uniquely designed you, divinely designed you. When you breathe in and pursue Christ, that you will breathe in joy. The joy that he talks about is joy in him. And you will, as an expression, exhale holiness. Will you guys pray with me? Dear God, I just uh, thank you for this time together. God, I just, I hope that this is just a clarifying day. That we will not let the the idol of self-realized holiness be a lure for us, but we will trust you with our holiness. We trust you with our soul. We trust you with our mind. We trust you with our money. We trust you with everything. Let us trust you with our lives, our holiness as well. God, I just pray as we follow hard after you, that you will show us new things. That you will bring us to places that we never dreamed we would go. And that we will truly be a blessing in this cursed world. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.